it's a common misconception that people have that the reason why they put off legal is because they think that it's going to be really expensive or they think that it's going to be really intimidating. They're not going to be able to understand, you know, don't be intimidated by legal. It can be affordable. It can be really easy to understand. And the protection that it affords you is massive. Hey ladies, welcome back to another episode of B3 Boss Babies and Thoughts. While I talk about all things motherhood, entrepreneurial, and how to have fun with everything in between. I'm your host, Jessica with a Y, and I cannot wait to dive into today's topic. So make sure to grab your favorite cocktail, sit back, relax, and unwind. Let's have some fun. Hey ladies, welcome to today's episode of Boss Babies in Bottles, better known as B3. Today I have a special guest, uh, Miss Natalie Puglisi. Yeah, <laughs> it's Puglisi like the dog, but I, I love your pronunciation of it. It's, it's probably more true to, to what it really sounds like in Italy, but I, yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, you have a pug too, you were telling me, so that's super <laughs> cute. How old is your pug? She's 11, and you know what's funny? We... um my pug got a scratch in her eye. And so I had to take her to the emergency vet and they came in and then when they walked her out, they, they took care of her. Everything was fine. And I could see the vet techs were kind of whispering amongst each other. And, and so when they gave, they handed her to me, one of them comes to me and she goes, I just have to ask you, did you get a pug because of your last name? <laughs> and I was like, no, I had her before I met my husband. <laughs> you had it. Yeah. You had it before your husband. Exactly. Yep, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I also got my dog before my husband. He now thinks it's his dog, but she's totally my dog. Although she does sleep <laughs> on his side of the bed some nights, which doesn't make me happy. But yeah, she's a rescue dog. She's seven and uh, seven and a little bit now. So oh. love me some dogs. So Miss Natalie ladies is a small business attorney, which obviously most of my, my listeners are um, small businesses. So this is definitely going to be a good one and a legal resource for online entrepreneurs. So close to a decade ago, she really opened up her own law firm. You know, like most of us, uh, she was scared, <laughs> felt really overwhelmed, but, you know, really excited, you know, to start that entrepreneurial journey. So as we all do, we dig deep, we do some research and we figure it out. Um, and getting legally protected is just such an important aspect of any business. So with the boom of online business, she kind of really found herself consulting with more and more friends on what they legally needed for businesses. And so now she is here to help all of us kind of know a little bit more about it. So thank you, Natalie, again, for joining us today. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Let's dive in. Yeah. So like you accurately described, I'm an online business attorney. And I didn't actually start as an online business attorney. I started as a bankruptcy attorney, which a lot of people were like, isn't that so depressing? Isn't that such a depressing area of law? But for me, the transformation that I saw in my clients really became the fuel for and the passion for what I did. You know, they got to sleep better at night, not worry when they were spending time with their children. It was really a tool for them to kind of have a lot of stress relief, as I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, you know, when it comes to your finances, there's a lot of stress that can come with that. So I was working for a really small firm out of law school, a four person firm, two partners and two associates. And my two partners came to the two, me and the other associate one day and said, we are preparing for retirement. So you guys have to find new jobs. And 
I was devastated. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I started my own firm at a necessity because I had taken some of the clients that I was working with with me. And they don't teach you practical applications of the law in law school like most people would think, right? Like when you're a doctor and you go to med school, you do your residency, you actually learn hands-on stuff. They don't teach you any of that in law school at all. You know, it's so funny. I neither do, I'm in hospitality, which wasn't actually where I studied at all. But um, being a wedding planner now is what I do. I do. I take on a lot of new interns and people who are learning to be in the hospitality industry. And they right. don't learn anything practical. They have no idea. They learn more with me than they learn in their four years of school off just doing one day a week on a bed day. It's, it's absolutely insane. So I, I do believe you, but yes, doctors do get a lot of hands-on experience, which is probably a good thing, actually. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> a great thing. But because of that, I had no idea how to set up my own business. So like you said, I researched and I went back to the law library. I talked to other attorneys and I eventually just figured it out and I, you know, we have a lot of friends and family. I met my husband about two weeks into starting my own firm and he's a serial entrepreneur. He's, you know, started and sold companies like a crazy person. So he was a real great mentor for me when I started my business. And like I said, we'd have a lot of friends and family that would have business ideas and come to us and they would ask him, you know, a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. They would ask me a lot of legal stuff. And it dawned on me that if it was difficult for me to figure out the legal aspects to set up my own business, then it certainly was difficult for other female entrepreneurs. So I pivoted out of bankruptcy and I started helping people um, from a business attorney perspective. And I found the same passion and the same kind of addiction that I got with my clients and helping them in the bankruptcy sphere. I found that really helping them and empowering them from a legal perspective was so addicting because they left it truly feeling more empowered and feeling, you know, kind of being armed with this knowledge of legal. And that has really been the fuel to, you know, my business so far. So when I first started, I had to hire a lawyer to figure out how to put together the contracts and all that stuff, because, you know, you don't know, but you also want to be protected, but you also starting a new business, you don't have a ton of money. So, you mm -hmm. know, there's, there's just so much into it. So I guess, tell me, I mean, I kind of understand now how you started your business. So tell me what is so important that so many small business owners, they just kind of just wing it, you know, like I was just talking about. So what are some top tips for some new business owners um, out there? Well, I think one of my top tips is to not be intimidated by legal. And like you said, it's a common misconception that people have that the reason why they put off legal is because they think that it's going to be really expensive or they think that it's going to be really intimidating. They're not going to be able to understand. And my whole goal and vision behind my business is to make it incredibly affordable for people and make it more importantly so that they understand what they're getting in their business and how it's legally protecting them. I had a boss that when the clients would come in, he would speak to them in legalese and he would just say, oh, blah, 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 and da, 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 da. And they were like, it would like gloss over on them. And I, I never wanted to be that kind of attorney. I always really wanted my clients to understand. And so it's really important to me for my clients to understand if I send them a contract or they want a custom contract or they buy one of my templates, my contract templates, that they understand how it's protecting them and what's in there. You know, if there's, I, I have so many clients that will reach out and they're like, okay, I know that you explained this, but will you explain this one clause to me again and what it's doing? And that's really important to me. So I guess one of my top tips is, you know, don't be intimidated by legal. It can be affordable. It can be really easy to understand. And the protection that it affords you is massive. One of my other tips that I, that I see people do a lot, which I caution people against doing, 
And that is when they first start out, they're trying to cut costs. When I started my business, I built my own website. I love my website, no knock on it, but horrible idea. That sent me so much time to build this website. It's not what I do, obviously. I'm not a creative, I'm a left brain. But what I see a lot of people who start their businesses do is they go out and they quote, borrow other people's contracts or legal templates or legal documents. Either they take them from someone else's website that they're, they don't know about, or they are getting them from someone else who says, yeah, go ahead and you can just use my legal contract for your work. Well, the reason why I caution against doing this is twofold. Number one, you don't know what you don't know when it comes to the law and you can't be certain that that's actually legally protecting you. So the person that you're getting this from might've gotten from their cousin who is in the construction industry and it's not actually protecting you at all, not protecting your business at all, or it's not industry specific. Mm -hmm. And number two, it's actually a violation of intellectual property law. It's a violation of copyright law. So in order to use these legal contracts, you actually need the express written permission of the attorney that drafted that document, not the person that purchased it. So whenever you purchase a document, you're granted a license to use it for yourself, not a license to give it to someone else and not a license to sell it. So you have to be really careful. I have had clients who borrowed legal contracts from somebody else and the attorney that drafted it found out about that and sued them for damages. So you have to be really careful about that. So those are basically the two things that I caution about. Definitely don't do that. Definitely don't violate copyright law. And, you know, take some time to find an attorney that will work with you in a very affordable way. Yeah, I 100% agree. I can't, I can't agree more. I feel like now I want you to like look over all of my stuff and make sure that I'm not like <laughs> <really> protected. <laughs> like that. Those are the things that worry, you know, like, and not just me, like they worry anybody, you know, you're just so scared that something will mm-hmm. happen or come up or, you know, even now with COVID, you know, just how that's affecting contracts, especially in my industry where events have gotten postponed and rescheduled and canceled. That's just such a, such a, such a crucial part of everything. So I love it. So obviously this is not something we really want to talk about, but what could happen for people who really aren't protecting themselves properly in their contracts and all of that? Well, the obvious can happen, right? You can get sued. So there are provisions that you can have in place in your contracts when you're working with clients where you can prevent a lawsuit from happening. And that's kind of one of the most important things. Um, I think also something that people don't realize is you could be violating the law and not even know it. And what I mean by that is, you know, what I said earlier, copyright infringement, if you're borrowing someone else's legal contracts, but you also could be committing trademark infringement as well. So you could be using either a business name, a slogan or a catchphrase that is trademarked and not knowing that you're doing that. And you can be sued for damages for trademark infringement. And they just changed the law this year so that they, they used to have it where it said that you could only violate someone's trademark if you knew a trademark existed and you went ahead and used the name anyways. They've removed that requirement. So now, even if you don't know that a trademark exists and you're using a name that is trademarked, you can be sued for damages in your business those are kind of the worst case scenarios i hate to be like absolutely terrible and it and it's happened i've had a couple clients where i've had to protect their trademarks i I do trademark filings as well and then i've had other clients who received cease and desist letters and were being, being threatened to be sued because they were using a trademarked name so a lot of people that are holding trademarks are taking advantage of that law 
if they hold a trademark, they can, they, they don't even have to sue you. They can initially demand damages. Yeah. Okay. That's not terrifying whatsoever. I know. <laughs> so, I mean, then there's also like fees and fines, right? If you have a website, there are certain legal documents that are required to be on your website. If you don't have um, some of these documents on there, you can be fined and penalized. Even if you have one on there, but it's not legally, it doesn't have the legally required language on it, you can still be fined up to $2,500 per visitor to your site. And specifically, I'm talking about that privacy policy that's on there. You know, the law takes privacy very seriously. It's the data that's collected whenever we visit websites. I don't know if you remember, um, this was probably like three years ago when Mark Zuckerberg had to testify in front of Congress because he was selling our Facebook data without our knowledge. Yes. Well, because of that, Congress and the law takes the way that our data is collected very seriously. And you have to disclose to whoever's visiting your site, how you're collecting their data, how you're using it, what you're collecting. And most of us say, well, I'm just a small company and I'm not actually collecting any data, which you may not think that you are, but if you have a contact us page, if you have a subscribe to a newsletter, if you don't have anything on there, you just have a standalone page, you're still collecting IP addresses, which is a data locator. and lets people know where you're visiting from. And that requires a privacy policy on your website. And again, you can be, there's some pretty hefty fines for not having one or for having one that's missing the requisite legal language. So again, make sure you're not copying this from someone else's website because you don't know that they even have the requisite legal language on there. Make sure that you get it from an attorney that understands the online space so you can avoid having to pay those fines and fees. Well, I'm officially mind blown. Now I'm going to go check all of my stuff. Um, you <laughs> you asked for the scary stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask for that stuff because I think, you know, I have a lot of business owning women who listen to this podcast and we all start businesses and we don't think about these things until we have to, you know, and I can't even tell you when I first started, I don't even want to look at that contract. I haven't looked at it in years. But God knows I was so not where I needed to be. And I knew that, but that's just what I came up with. I was me winging it. And then little by little, you know, I've gotten to where I am today. But I mean, I always want to make sure that I'm legally protected because you really just never know. And no one's going to come in here and try to take away everything I've ever worked for because that's not fair, you know? So I'm now I'm scared, but also at the same time, I know <laughs> that I need to make sure that everything's protected, not just me, but everyone. Yeah. And it's not about the scare tactics. I mean, I know that, that it is scary and you know, it's scary for me too, because there's obviously I have liability issues in my business too. I'm an attorney. I, you know, so I think in every business you have, you know, liability in the event space, right? Like if you don't have the right waivers and disclaimers and someone's allergic to something that they ate at the wedding that you hosted, there's liabilities everywhere. So I understand, you know, the scary aspect of that, but in the same breath, making sure that you understand and that you're aware, not to have it be a scare tactic, but if you look at it from a perspective of it, this is giving you knowledge so that you can prevent these things from happening. So rather than being super scared and being like, oh gosh, I, you know, now, now I don't know where to start because you've just scared me. But look at it from a perspective of, okay, this is, you're arming me with knowledge. And now I know where to, to look at in my business to make sure that this isn't happening. That's important. But no, I don't mean like you're scaring me like that. So you're just, you, you know, sometimes I think as business owners, until we get, until something happens that scares us, that doesn't make us take that action, you know? Absolutely. So any other tips or any other thing for our current business owners that are listening? Well, you touched on something that was really important. We're entering into this new 
era with COVID-19 and especially in the industry that you're in or any, any industry where you are going to be going back to a face-to-face -face interaction with your clients. So whether that's in the event space or the fitness space, even like myself, if you're an attorney and you have an office and people come to visit you, there's this whole new sense of awareness when it comes to COVID-19. And it's, you know, I'm in California, we're on a three week lockdown right now, we can't really see anyone anyways, but eventually that's going to be lifted and you will be able to see your clients and customers again. And you want to make sure that you have some language in your contracts so that your clients and customers know that you do your best to maintain sanitary conditions and a sanitary environment. But since this illness is so unpredictable, you can't guarantee that they're not going to get it either at your event or at your place of business and or on the way to the event or the place of business. So that's something that is new and it's language that we kind of have to deal with at the moment. But that's something, you know, when we all get to a place where we're ready to open up and start doing business more as usual than it is right now, definitely it's something to consider and something to think about. And in Florida, we ain't got no lockdown. I know. Well, it's Florida. You yeah, Florida. <laughs> and that's why I said I'm in Florida and uh, we have no lockdown and we are business as usual. I have three weddings this week alone. I'll be uh, reaching out to you about COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, I have a waiver that, that's easy to put in place. And you just, you know, just kind of copy and paste it into your contract and have them initial. But it's important, you know, it's, and it's unfortunate that we're in kind of this era where you have to think about that kind of stuff. But it's out there, you know. It is out there. And hopefully it's the only thing we ever deal with that's like this. But if it's not, then you know, it's good to be protected and to think in advance because I think it all hit us so unexpectedly and so hard at first and, and everybody just kind of made do, but it's not going away. And so how we handle it is, is going to stay forever though. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, I always tell my clients to think of their contracts as a work in progress, right? Like every time you have a wedding, every time you work with a client, something may happen in that interaction where you have to go back to your contract and say, okay, well, this now this happened. So now I have to amend it, right? And it's the same thing with what's going on right now. You just have to amend your contract. No big deal. Get some language in there to protect yourself and kind of move on from it. It's so important for us to be protected in every sense of the way as small businesses. And as, you, as you've mentioned, you know, I think a lot of us think that it's too expensive to get the right help. So I know this is a tough question to ask and I'm not sure why I'm asking it because I don't like when people ask me this either. But what, what, I mean, what should people like small businesses, you know what I mean? One man show here and, and some of my listeners are too, like, what, what should they be expecting in terms of fees? Because, you know, not everyone can, can, can do it, but what, what, what are fees? I mean, I, I don't know what this looks like. Yeah. So I can give you kind of an idea. So I usually like to tell people to think of their legal protection in a few stages. Number one is your business entity, right? I always recommend that people become an LLC. And the reason why is because it creates a shelter around your personal assets. Okay. So if you think about your business is like a different person, right? And money funnels into your business and then you pay yourself out of your LLC to yourself. Well, when you pay yourself, that money is now sheltered and protected when you become an LLC. So if you were to have any disputes or liabilities, they can only go after what's in your LLC, your LLC bank account and your LLC assets. Yes. Now, just a little disclaimer, because I am an attorney, <laughs> 
That's only true as long as you maintain what's called business formalities, which is just a really fancy lawyer way of saying dotting your I's and crossing your T's. Make sure that you speak to an attorney when you become an LLC because LegalZoom isn't going to tell you how to dot your I's and cross your T's. They'll help you fill out paperwork, which honestly you could do on your own, but they're not going to give you those guidelines to make sure that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's. And in the eyes of the law, if you're not maintaining those, then they look at you as treating your business not like a business and they'll drop that sheltered protection so that someone can come after your personal assets. So it's really important. Speak to an attorney. It's cheaper than you think. My fees for LLCs in the state of California, I charge $4.99 for a single member LLC, $9.99 for a dual member LLC. Those fees will probably go up slightly in the next year. I think it's important. You know, I can give people ranges too. If people always ask me like, oh, how much should I spend on my wedding? I'm like, that's such a... I know. <laughs> You're like, depends. Do you want tigers or do you want yeah. <laughs> you having sliders? Like, depends on what food you want to serve, what flowers you want, how elaborate you alcohol, are. I mean, I have so many factors. So I yeah, know totally. a question for me to ask, but I need, I feel like I have to because I feel like some of my totally. listeners know that it is affordable. You can afford it. You know what I mean? That totally. It's a little hit for sure, especially for new business owners. But is it a little hit now that's going to cut, you know, it's going to save you so much more headache, stress, and, you know, yeah. you know, nothing actually ends up happening to you. And, and yeah, maybe you spent the money and nothing happens, right? It's just like insurance. You could protect yourself. Exactly. Nothing happened to you or you could not. And that one time then you're screwed, you know? 100%. Yeah. So I always tell people to start with their business entity and then to move to their contracts. If you have a website, like I said, you need a privacy policy on your website. You need a disclaimer which basically says that it lets your visitors know that anytime they visit your site, that everything on there is for general and informational purposes only, right? For example, let's say you have something on there, a testimonial from a client. She said, best wedding I've ever had. I spent 10,000. It was great. You want to have your visitors know that this is not a guarantee, that this is just someone else's testimonial. And that ranges like every single type of business should have a disclaimer on there. If you're in the health and wellness field, you want to let people know if you post a blog post about doing a squat, they do the squat at home. They're assuming the risk and liability if they slip and injure themselves. That's how a disclaimer protects you on your website. Then you want to have a terms and conditions on there, which is going to protect your content. Let's people know that everything on your site is your intellectual property, that they can't use it without your express written permission. Those are legal contracts for your site. When you then work with customers and clients, you need separate legal documents there. So obviously, if you're in the event space, you want to have a client contract. There's a lot of provisions that you legally have to have in there if you're charging them recurring payments. If you have a no refund policy, deposit um, breakdown, those are all things that have to be in your contract. You should also have a dispute resolution clause in there, right, that says how disputes are handled. So it avoids lawsuits. And it'll dictate the state that the issue will be settled in. So if you have someone else that is coming to sunny Florida to get married, they're signing a contract, they live in Alabama, you want to make sure that that dispute gets settled in Florida where you live. You're not having to travel to a different state to defend yourself. That's so important because people don't think about that. Totally, totally. Especially if you're working more in the online space, you deal with people all over the country, even in another, or in another country. So those are really important. You know, and again, like we said, COVID-19 language, if you're selling products, you should have a terms of, of service on your site. If you're selling digital products, you should have a terms of use on your site. And I have, like I said, done for you legal templates. I bundled them. So they're incredibly affordable. 
and they are things that you can literally just open them up. You get a word version. You can implement all of your business information into them and then you can get going so that you can protect yourself. They range like, for example, I have a bundle that's just the three website documents and that is $4.97. There's a payment plan of three payments of $166. So incredibly affordable. I have ones that have the website documents with a client agreement, website documents with a terms of use, et cetera, et cetera. So it's nice payments because you know you understand that not everyone can totally, yeah. And my my biggest bundle is $9.97 and it's a payment plan, three payments of $3.33. So it's under a grand to, and that comes with six legal documents on there, six contracts templates. And like I said, they're really, really easy to use. You literally just plug and play your business information in there and then you slap them on your website, use them in your business and you're ready to go. Under $1,000 to protect yourself in, in that regard is incredibly affordable. 100%. It sounds like a lot of money. And I know for some people, especially small businesses, and you're just starting, you're just trying to make it. And I, and I get it. I totally understand. Yeah. But you don't know when something's going to come at you and you have to be prepared. Yeah. And I always tell people it's going to cost you a lot less to get this done than it will be if you don't have them in place. Oh, so that. that's kind of... <laughs> Um, and then lastly, so we had our business entity, we have our contracts. Lastly is your trademarking and that is protecting your content. And again, trademarking protects any name, logo, slogan, or catchphrase. I tell people to think about trademarks like building a wall around your business. So you're going to start with your business name and then you're going to move on to, if you have a signature service, a signature program name, if you have a slogan or a catchphrase, you're just going to have these little blocks to build your wall. And those are really important because it prevents brand dilution. So if someone else has a business name that is similar to yours and or the exact name, it's going to prevent them from creating that company because, or using that name rather, because otherwise a consumer will, let's say, look up it on the web and then they're going to be confused. They may pick them over you because the name sounds so similar. And that's really important to help protect our brand and our company. Trademarks, again, can be pretty inexpensive. I don't charge that much to do a trademark. The filing fees for trademarks, actually, they're going up um, January 1. So they're $250 for what's called a class or a category. And a class or a category is just the way that you want to use the trademark. So if you want to use it for merchandise, that's one class or category. Furniture, a service, online space, you know, whatever it is, podcast name, those are all different classes and categories. And then my fees for a trademark, they're $999. You live with me for an eight or nine month process. So that's why my fees are what they are. And it takes a bit of time to get a trademark. But if you have an attorney that's doing it right, then they will do a thorough trademark search and they will make sure that your trademark is going to be registered. And again, that takes a little bit of time because it is a lengthy process. They want to make sure that you're not infringing on anyone else's trademark. They want to make sure that you're using it in the way that you're saying that you're using it. There's some documentation you have to upload and a bunch of other things. So it is, it is a lot of back and forth with the trademark office. But again, having your trademark in place and protecting it, it's a lot less expensive than if you don't have a trademark. And now someone files a trademark that's using your name. Now you have to go undo their trademark and then also file your trademark. Or let's say you want to file a trademark for a name and you find out someone else already has that name. Well, now you've got to go and undo everything that you've done in your business. So I always tell people, you know, 
before you start a business or a name, you name anything, right? Like a signature service or a podcast or anything like that. Do a general Google search. If something pops up, just don't use it. The, yeah. the intellectual property protection lies with the person that first used it in commerce, not the mm -hmm. first person to file for a trademark. So what a lot of people do is they see it and they go, well, they don't have a trademark. Well, they still are the first to use it in commerce if they've used it before you, and you can still get in a lot of trouble for doing that. So do a general Google search first before you name anything in your business. Again, something pops up, just don't use it. If nothing pops up, you can also go to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website. It's USPTO.gov. There is something called a TSS basic word search where you can search their database for a trademark. Now, that's good to do because, again, like I said earlier, you can be sued if you're using a trademarked name, even if you don't know. Yeah. But what most people tend to do is they type in the exact name that they want to use and it doesn't pop up. But you can still be sued if you're using a name that's similar to something else that's out there. So it's always good to do it anyways, but it's better to have an attorney do a thorough trademark search for you because we know exactly what to look for. Like my really lame example that I, <laughs> that I always give, if I wanted to come up with a, a fitness apparel company and I wanted to name it Pikey, that obviously would conflict with Nike's trademark. So what a lot of people do is they'll just go ahead and search for the exact name that they want to use. They're not looking for anything that's substantially similar and they use the name and you could still infringe on someone's trademark. So speak to an attorney. I do free trademark consultations and free business consultations. So I can at least guide you and help you kind of figure out that process. That is really, really great. And I know, I know some of my listeners that are you know, brand new businesses, just looking to kind of get things going, um, would really appreciate it. So we are definitely going to um, link you up at the bottom to make sure that they can reach out to you and let you know. And I just think that's all so, so, so important. So if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? I would tell myself to just start my business. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, to do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't transition into the online space for two years. And I thought about doing it for so long. And I just had so many reservations. You know, what would my fellow attorneys think? I don't know any other attorney that's in the online space. What would my friends think? What would my family think? And I, and I got so wrapped up on, you know, having to have everything look perfect, right? I wanted to build my website first. And I wanted to have my offerings first. And I wanted to have branding photos done and all the pretty things. And I wish that I would have just started when I thought of the idea because I would have been, you know, a lot longer into this process. And I think that a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur, you're really scared, you get stunned to move forward in, in the little steps in your business, whether that's just starting your business, whether that's legal, whether that's moving into the social media space, whatever it might be. I think we tend to get really scared at the unknown. And so I want to encourage other people out there. And if I were to tell my younger self, I would just say, just do it. Just yeah. go out there, start it, think about it, go for it and, and see what happens, right? You have, you literally have nothing to lose. Part of my story is literally I had nothing to do with wedding planning, event planning. I had no idea what that was even like. And I literally interned with three different wedding planners once and I finished the third time and I was like, you know what? I could do this better. And I literally did. It wasn't even a question the following week I had my website, my name, I was filed and I was just doing things on my own. And I literally didn't think about it. I just did it. You That's know, awesome. I didn't do any of the pretty things. I was like, well, I'm just going to put this together and I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> 
and now I have all the pretty things and now I have everything, you know, but the reality is it's true. You just have to do it. We get so caught up on just, I, I never do. And that's not my personality though. So I know like for my sister, like it's not her personality. She don't have all the pretty things and she doesn't do it, you know, but I'm just like, I'm not like that. I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it. And if I messed up, then cool, you know, whatever. But again, that's a personality trait. I do know that, <laughs> um, but I was just awesome to do this. So I think that that's just a really big thing because we, we all get scared and, and I get scared too. I'm not going to say I don't, you know, I live off the motto. Um, if you've heard my podcast under swim or swim, there's no sink or swim. It's just swim or swim. <laughs> we got to make it work. So, um, yeah. You gotta, you gotta love it. So I love it. So this wouldn't be the boss babies and bottles podcast. If I didn't ask you, what was your, what's your favorite bottle or drink? I am drinking my favorite drink at the moment. And it's a matcha, matcha tea. I gave up coffee about two years ago, best health decision of my life. And uh, this is kind of my go-to for now. I only drink water um, or wine. Like oh, I'm jealous. I wish I drank more water. I need to, I have to like trick myself, right? I have a LaCroix or something. <laughs> I, no, I now drink sparkling because my husband likes them. And I, I do like to have a vodka soda with lime when I do go out. So I've gotten used to the whole soda aspect. Um, but I just really don't <laughs> like the carbonation that much. I never have. So yeah. like lemon, I mean, I drink water. And when I want to spice it up, I throw lemon. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So I know it's boring, <laughs> but hey, I do drink wine and lots of it, sadly. All right. So thank you so much, Natalie, for joining us today. That was a lot of really great information, I think, for a lot of our listeners. So I truly appreciate it. So thank you again. And thank you ladies, so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And so, ladies, check us out on the next episode. Thanks for joining. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I cannot wait to chat with you guys soon. So make sure if you haven't already, subscribe to our next episode and follow my craziness on Instagram at ebjevents and at canal.twins. I promise you, something's always happening.